often we're, we're taking off into a new series called Off the Chain. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be diving into the book of Galatians. And uh, the book of Galatians, by the way, is known as the Christian's independence book. It's kind of declares our freedom. And so what I want you to do with me for the next five to six weeks is I want you to read through the book of Galatians every week. Don't freak out. It's only six chapters, and they're small chapters, okay? So some of you are like, oh, man, I knew I should have went to that other church this morning. <laughs> so for the next six weeks, I want you to read a chapter a day. So that's six days, and then on the seventh day, we'll come back, right? And we'll preach another message, and then the next week, we'll, we'll read through the book of Galatians together. Let me tell you something. There's power when there's unity, Right? There's power when the body of Christ reads the same scriptures and studies the same scriptures. Something happens. It's called unity. And when you read your Bible, you see that unity is powerful. Amen? So can you, how many of you, just show of hands because I just want to put a little bit of pressure on you this morning. How many of you are willing to read the book of Galatians with me every week for the next six weeks? Okay, good, good. All right, I, I photographic memory, I'm... Um, <clears throat> so we're going to be studying this book of Galatians and it's about independence and my prayer is, is for this series is not that you not only that you become free of some things that may be slowing you down but that you learn to stay free even after you become free you ever been free to something and get caught up again So I want you to do that with me. I want you to join in reading the book of Galatians. And listen, just put you a little bit of pad. Just put you a little, a little notepad and a pen as you're reading it. And when you see something that just stands out to you, just write it down. Real nice and easy. Just write it down. And then when we're done, I want you to go back and look through that and see what God spoke to you while you were reading the book of Galatians. Amen? So real quick, before I dive off into the message, all those that are being baptized this morning... I just want to kind of give you the, the, the quick schedule. As soon as I'm finished preaching and the band comes up, if you need to change clothes, you can change your clothes and just wait at the back door for me on the inside. Wait at the back door and I'll call you up one at a time. Okay, so when I'm done preaching and the music starts playing, you can go change if you need to change. Amen? Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. And I want to show you something. This is Paul writing. Paul wrote 13 letters that we know of. Galatians is written to multiple churches in the region of Galatia, which is now known as Turkey. It's modern-day Turkey. That's where Paul was when he wrote. Or that's, that's the churches that Paul wrote to at this time. And it's, it's multiple churches. It's not just one church, the Church of Galatia. There's many churches in that region, and Paul is writing to all of them. And he's writing a letter that's unlike the rest of his letters. Paul, typically, when he, when he writes a letter, he has a formal greeting that he uses. He kind of says, I'm from God. I'm writing this to you in the name of the Lord. May he bless you. I pray for you. Kind of a sweet little introduction to his letters to the churches. This one's different, and you got to get this. Paul comes into the book, the letter to Galatia. He comes into it almost like he's got a purpose and a reason, almost like a madman. He comes into the book and he gets right to the point. He cuts to the chase. He doesn't have room for formalities. He just gets down to business. So let's, let's watch this in chapter 1 of Galatians. We're going to go to verse 9. 
Watch this. Paul says, this is a letter from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, I'm not appointed by man. I'm not here because of men. I'm not here under man's authority. I've been sent by God. I'm appointed by God. So don't think that I'm coming here because a man sent me. I'm here because God sent me. You see how he kind of just threw down the gauntlet from the beginning. Verse 2, he says, all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's the nicest thing he says in the opening. (laughs) Verse 4, right back to the chase. He says this, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God, our Father, planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God, the Father, forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news or the gospel, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we, say, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let them be cursed. That's pretty serious, right? I mean, Paul's, Paul's like, he's, he's not playing here. He's, 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 he's almost mad. Did you pick that up? I tried to give you the tone that I understand again. You see, when you read your Bible long enough, you start to understand the tone of the Bible, right? And when you understand the tone of the Bible, it gives you a whole new revelation of what the Bible says. Paul comes into this letter very serious, and he says to these guys, I'm not here because of man. I'm here because of God. So if you think I'm here on my own agenda or man's agenda, you just need to throw that out the way because I'm here and I'm sent by God. I'm writing this letter appointed by God. Then Then a couple of verses later, he throws down the gospel. Just real quick, he says, the Lord Jesus died on the cross and was rose from the grave to save you from this evil world. And then two verses later, look at what he says. This kind of gives you the tone of the, of, the, of the chapter. He says this in verse 6, I am shocked. Now, I don't know about you, but shock's just not a gentle word. Right? You stick your finger in the receptacle, it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. You're shocked! Right? And if you're a real Christian, you won't cuss. He says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. Look at what he says. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I'm thrown in awe because of what happened. Paul says, I preached the gospel, the one true gospel to you. And you gave your life to Jesus. And you came into this thing and you were saved from this evil world. And you were rescued and you were set free. He's like, what in the heck happened? What happened to you? You ever get your kids all psyched up for a game? And they're like, they got it? Like, oh, yeah. And I, you know, talking to my son when he plays basketball, I'm like, all right, son, look, you just got to get aggressive. I'm like, come on, bro. You throw your butt. God gave you a big butt to throw it on somebody. 
knock them suckers out the way and get the basketball, son. Get aggressive. And you can tell him, and he can be sitting there, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And he gets in the game, and it's like, and you're on the sidelines like, what happened? Right? That's what Paul's saying. What happened? Who came and fooled you? You see, there's something under Paul's skin. Amen? Anybody ever let something get under your skin? Are there certain things that get under your skin? Can I share with you a couple of things that get under my skin? How many of you want to know? Y'all all lying, the ones that didn't raise your hand. You all want to know what gets under my skin. So you can say, okay, well, if it gets under Pastor's skin, then he can get under my skin. I know how you are. One of the things that gets under my skin is slow drivers. Can I get a witness? Hey, we're in the right church this morning. Come on. Slow drivers, man. They will make me say things I hadn't said in 14 years. Slow people do the same thing. I mean, when I go to Walmart, listen, I don't like Walmart. When I go to Walmart, I want to get in and get out. I don't shop, I buy. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. And I get, somebody gets in front of me and they're just like, and there's no way around them. I'll make the block. I will. I ain't lying to you. I'll make the block. Pass them up at the next block. Slow people, man. Laziness gets on my nerves. Man, when somebody says, I can't, I can't do this. It's just the steam comes up. I don't know where it comes from. And then the, the thing that's really been bothering me lately, I mean, this thing has just really been under my skin, is listeria. I mean, that thing's bothering me. Some of you are going to get that on the ride home. But you can't go to a birthday party. Should I help them out? Listeria is what Bluebell gave everybody, and that's the reason we don't have Bluebell anymore. It gets under my skin. It's of the devil. Went to a birthday party yesterday, and I got an argument with a seven-year-old because she said that ice cream tastes like Bluebell. I said, no, it don't. Yes, it does. No, it don't. Yes, it does. No, it don't. And finally, I had to say, okay, stop to myself but Paul was Paul was bothered he had something under his skin something in his craw and he was he was agitated and he didn't like what he saw and you could tell it bothered him you see what happened in those days was that Paul came in and he preached the gospel to these churches the pure gospel the gospel that when you give your life to Jesus you are now set free from the law of sin and death in other words, you don't have to earn anything anymore. You don't, have to, you don't have to keep all the commands. You don't have to be perfect for God to love you. That was the message Paul preached when he came in. He said, if you just believe that, that Jesus died on the cross and was raised again from the dead on the third day, then you're going to be saved. Right? And that's the message he preached. And then all of a sudden... Something happening with the lights. It's either the Holy Spirit or Doug, one or the other. Let's go with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now that we have the light distraction out of the way, let me get back to where I was. So Paul preached the pure gospel to them. 
He said, listen to me. You don't have to earn anything. It's not by works. It's by grace that you have salvation, that you can spend eternity in heaven. You don't have to earn anything. He came in with the purest form of the gospel. And then when he left, he got word that somebody else had come in and started preaching another gospel. You see, it was the, it was the Jews that came in. The, the, the Jews came in, and right out, after Paul would preach, the Jews would come in, and they would take a new believer or a new convert, and they would say to him, hey, man, this is good. I'm glad you made that decision to follow Jesus, and, and you know, it's good to be a Christian. And, you know, Paul, he does a great job, but, you know, Paul, maybe he didn't have enough time, but he didn't quite give you the whole gospel. And, and so there's just a few more things you may need to add um, um, to this new experience that you have or to this Christianity for God to really love you. You see, they would come in after the message, after the sermon, and they would get the believers, the new believers, the one that were in the purest form. And they would say, you know, there's some things. And they would get the guys, and they would say, hey, you know, man, you, you need to become a Jew, and, and uh, you need to get circumcised. Listen to me. As a grown man, that should have been the first warning. You want to what? <laughs> Forget this. I'm going to the other church. There's no knives at that church. But they came in and they wanted to add something to the gospel. They say, oh, pastor, you know, I understand that. That's, you know, yeah, we, we see that. It's called religion. Yeah, that's right. It's called religion. And, and we don't think sometimes that religion is a bad thing. And we think, oh, well, we just got a few rules and regulations. And that's all it is. And it's not bad. Bull. It's sin. It's evil. Religion is the very thing that Jesus got mad at. When Jesus called somebody a snake, when he called them a brood of vipers, when he called somebody a a low down, no good, dirty snake, it was because they were religious. Because you know what religion does? When you've given your life to Jesus and the chains have come off and you've been set free from sin and disease and death, religion comes back in and it very nicely and and casually puts chains back on you. That's religion. And that's what happened. And that's what Paul was mad about. We can all say we've been religious from time to time. I've been religious many times. I used to tell people they couldn't listen to anything other than Christian music. Or they were dying and going to hell. Serious. I was religious. I had rules. I had regulations. If you want God to love you, you got to do this. And you want God to be nice to you, you got to do this. And. Some of us hear the gospel and we think, well, that's just too easy. It's just too easy to say, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And now I have no more chains on me. That's too easy. It's too easy. We think it's too easy. We've got to add something to it. There's got to be more than that. I've got to be able to sweat a little bit to get this. Come on, I've got to do something to earn it. Am I in the right church this morning? Jesus plus anything does not equal salvation. 
Jesus equals salvation and Jesus alone. The great reformer Martin Luther said this. He said, as sinners, we are prone to pursue a relationship with God one of two ways. The first is through religion or spirituality, and the second is the gospel. And here's the thing. The two are opposites in every way. Some people are more interested in your spirituality or your religion than they are in your relationship to Jesus. Right? They think, well, you're not spiritual enough. Really? The fact that you're judging me says that you're more spiritual than I am? I might have stepped on somebody's toe this morning. So I want to show you something this morning. I want to show you the difference between religion and the gospel. So number one on your notes, if you're following on your notes, religion focuses on earning God's approval. The gospel focuses on receiving God's love. You see, the funny thing about religion and the reason it's so spread and it's so wide and it's so disastrous is because it's slight. You see, the Judaizers, they didn't come in and tell the new Christians, oh, you, you know, no, 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 time out. They didn't try to re-preach a gospel. They just, tried to, they just tried to tag something to what was already preached, and that's what religion does. Religion says, well, yeah, you can be saved, but you got to do this. It says, oh, yeah, you can be saved, but you got to go here. Right? It's, it's a slight thing. It's not a total opposition. It's a slight thing. Just a very small tweaking of the gospel. And people go, well, I just want to add this to what you're doing. Do you see how small it is and how slight it is? And if you're not careful, you get thrown into a whirlwind where you're caught up in religion and you went from being rescued from this evil world to being set free to now being bound up in this religious world. You see, the reason so many people are leaving Christianity today is because they're exhausted. Because how much is enough to earn God's love? Can somebody tell me? How much is enough? How good can you be? How perfect do you have to be? I mean, is there like an unwritten code? You know, you can't say more than three curse words in a day. You can't look at a woman lustfully more than three seconds for God to stop loving you. I mean, where does it stop? Religion focuses on earning God's approval and the gospel focuses on God's love. Gallup did a poll. Gallup's people that do polls. I don't know why they're called Gallup, but they are. And they, they, they do polls. And they did a poll of how people view God in the different regions of the U.S., And here in the deep south, the general consensus says that people in the south view God as God is mad at them. They they believe that God is mad at them. And so the problem with that is that when you believe that God is mad at you, then you believe that you got to do something to, to make him glad with you. Right? Can you accept the fact that maybe when God thinks about you, he's full of joy? Can can you be okay with the fact that when you blow it, God still loves you? 
Can you accept that? That he loves me, period. Because <laughs> you see, this is the deal. Before you knew him, he knew you. And he still sent his son on the cross to die for you before you knew him. And when you fall today or tomorrow, he still loves you. And he still accepts you. Is that okay? Can you wrap your head around that? Can you accept that? Can you receive that it's this, that simple, that he loves me even with my failures, even with my shortcomings, even when I'm just full-blown rebellious? Can you accept the fact that he still loves you? And you don't have to work for his approval. ought to be freeing somebody up. I can understand the fact that Jesus accepts me, but I, I'll be honest with you, at times I have a hard time with the fact that he approves of me. I'll be honest with you, I get caught up in the earn it thing too. I was sitting here during worship thinking about all the things I didn't get done this week. And it had something to do with how God loves me. And I'm going, the heck are you doing? You're about to preach against this and you're sitting here walking in it? What the heck? Is it okay that God loves you no matter what? Because you see, here's, here's why you got to accept that because your view of God determines how you relate to God. Tell, you, let me break this down for you. When your parents were mad at you and they gave you that look, Come on, if you remember hard enough, you can remember that look. My mom had the look. My wife saw the look the first time she met my mom. Almost lost my future bride because of my mom's look. But I knew that look, and I knew when I was in trouble, and I knew when I blew it, right? And so what did I do? I would run and hide, right? When mama's mad... You don't go hang out with mama. You try to get away from mama, the long arm of the law, right? You don't go spend time with her. Why? Because she's mad at you, right? You've blown it and you don't want the paddle or whatever they could grab. You don't want that. So what do you hide? Well, if you view God like you view your parents and you think that God's mad at you, you spend more time running and hiding than you do pursuing and seeking and spending time in his presence. Because you see, your view of God determines your relationship with God. So if you're struggling in your relationship with God, you need to back up and say, okay, how am I seeing God right now? Does he love me? See, when you become a Christian, it's okay to talk to yourself. Seriously. Sometimes I got to go, Jamie, is that true? No. I got to play this two-part thing, you know. But but you got to remind yourself that he's not mad at you. Because you see, when God's upset or when God doesn't like something that you do, he brings conviction. 
He speaks to it very precisely. And he comes at it and he deals with the issue. And nine times out of ten, it's in grace and it's in mercy. Very few times I've ever felt like God was mad at me or upset with me or had to get strong with me. When God deals with us, he deals with conviction. It doesn't bring you down, it lifts you up. Come on, that's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction lifts you up off of your blessed assurance. Condemnation gets you and keeps you down there. Right? So when God has, he doesn't like something that you do, he's going to come to you and he's going to convict you. And he's going to address the issue head on. He's not going to bunny rabbit around. He's not going to bunny hop this way. He's not going to tiptoe around the issue. He's going to come straight at the issue. And it, but it's going to be full of grace. And it's going to be full of mercy. And it's going to be gentle. Just like the fruits of the spirit he tells us to produce, that's the fruit that he has. And so when he talks to me, he talks very calmly. Under control, in love. And he says, Jamie, you need to deal with this. Right? He's not mad at me. He loves me. He wants what's best for me. He doesn't want me to fall down any further than I already am. He doesn't want to stack more bricks on top of my head. He wants me to stand up and get going. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to change to start loving you. He loves you so you can change. You don't get your act together so you can get to God. You get to God so you can get your act together. Amen? That's, that's kind of like people. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. That's good preaching. Amen? It's kind of like when you see people that have been dating and they're waiting for the perfect time to get married when all the money's are right and all the, the job's okay and all the... I'm going, you're waiting for something perfect that's just never going to happen? Get married! I believe in marriage. Go get it. Stop killing yourself. You get to God so you can get your act together. You'll never get your act together before you get to God. Doesn't matter what you've done this week. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. You just need to run to Jesus. You need to deal with it. First John 4, 9 says, we love because he first loved us. He first loved us. That's why we love him, because he first loved us. The reason I worship is not based on what I did or did not do this week. The reason I worship is because he loves me. The reason I lift my hands when the music's playing is because I just surrender to the fact that he loves me no matter what I've done. Number two, religion is about what you do. The gospel is about what Jesus has done. Amen. Religion's about what you do. You start measuring your worth based off of what you do or don't do. Religion leads to uncertainty about my standing before God because I never know if I've done enough to please him. Right? 1 John 5, 3 to 12 says this. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. 
All his commands are not burdensome. People are leaving the church left and right because they're exhausted. They can't keep up. They can't be good enough. They're not perfect enough. They can't measure up to God's love in their own strength. So they give up, right? Sooner or later, when you can't earn enough, you give up. That's why you've had more than one job. But the word says that my commands are not burdensome. In other words, you shouldn't feel exhausted being a Christian. You should feel enlightened. You should feel empowered. You should feel fluffy. (laughs) It should be kind of light and fluffy. And it just irks me to say that. hate that word. But you should, you should have a little bounce in your step. Come on, somebody. You should walk like you're free. Live like you're free. Speak like you're free. Look like you're free. It's not a burdensome thing that you've taken on when you gave your life to Jesus. You were actually set free. And if somebody came along and put something else on you, you need to shake that off. It's like flu season. You see somebody and they're coming up to you to greet you there. Hey, and you're like, mm, cuz. <laughs> Give you an elbow. Right? You don't let that stuff get on you. Don't let anybody put religion on you. Don't let nobody put rules, rules and regulations and add to the gospel on you. Right? The only time it gets burdensome is when it's not done out of love. Why do you come to church? Why do you why do you believe in Jesus? Is it because it, you feel like it's something you have to do? Or do you feel like it's something you get to do? Does does this Christianity feel burdensome to you? Does it feel heavy and weighted and like you can't keep up? Number 3 Religion's goal is to get God's gifts. The gospel's goal is to get God. John 5, 39 to 40 says, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. When I read my Bible, I'm not thinking that I'm reading my Bible to get closer to God. Or to get God's approval. That's not why you read your Bible. When you read your Bible, it's to get a greater understanding of who God is and to actually get closer to him. Right? I mean, when you're in love with somebody, you actually want to communicate to them. Right? And God doesn't always speak in our ear, but a lot of times he speaks through his word and it's right here. People say, Pastor, how can I hear God? Read your Bible. But you don't sit down in the mornings and open this thing up and think, well, if I get in two verses today, I'm twice as close to God as I was before I read them. You're going in wrong already and you you shouldn't even expect to receive anything. But when you open up this book because you got this yearning and this longing desire to hear God's voice and to hear his word and to get close to him, then you open it up and you say, God, I just want to I want to I want to hear your voice this morning. I want to be in your presence this morning. I'm here. I'm reading my Bible because I love you, God. Not because I have to. Thank you that I can still read my Bible freely. Thank you that nobody took my Bible away. 
Thank you that it's still legal. I love you and I want to hear from you. Right? When you pray, don't pray so that you can get closer to God or pray that you can get approval from God. Pray because you love talking to the one who saved you. Right? Pray because you're just hungry to be with him. Prayer should never be a burdensome thing. If you have a burden, it should be for somebody to pray for them. Right? But never feel like a task. I love it when my kids want to do stuff with me because they just like me. Right? I mean, when they come up and you're doing something, they can, hey, can I help? And you're like, hey, where'd you come from? You want to do what? And once you get past the whole, well, what do you want? I got no money on me, right? Because you see, religion says you go to God to get his gifts. Gospel says you go to God to get God. Right? You're not after what he's got. You're after just to spend time with him. He said, these are the scriptures that that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You getting something yet? So that's religion versus gospel. That's the difference. Do you see the difference? Do you see how that can change the way you see God? Do you see how that can affect your relationship with God? Do you see how over a little bit of time, if you fall under religion's pressure and religion's weight, and you got to measure up all of a sudden, that sooner or later, you're just going to get tired. You're just going to get worn down. And then one day you're going to quit. You see how the enemy works? Somebody better shake their head. I'm going to start all over. Do you see how it works? He wants to come. He just wants to take a little bit. You may have given your life to Jesus and you were at one of them churches where they tell you, hey, you need need to grow your hair out, baby. You need to put it in a bun. That's all. That's all you need to do right now. I'm like, come on, serious? Oh, you you can't wear shorts and you can't wear that makeup. Why not? I think it's a sin not to wear makeup. Come on, you know how it is. When you hit 40, things start cracking. And makeup's just a, a simple form of Bondo. That's all it is. And, and you're all a bunch of professional body people. And you <laughs> Come on, how ridiculous is that? Seriously? How stupid is that? How dare, and this is what Paul felt. He's like, how dare somebody come in? How dare you let somebody fool you with this nonsense? You were set free. Stay free. Don't fall into that. Tell the devil where to go. Unofficially, I'll give you permission. If a religious person comes to you and tries to put something on you, punch them in the nose. I was off the books, okay? Off the record. Punch him in the nose. (laughs) 
So let me show you how to live off the chain real quick. I want you to live free. I want you to stay free. I want you to get free from religion today. We got to get free from religion. Let me tell you something. Not one of us is, is, is exempt from falling under religion. So don't think that you're all that in a bag of chips because we're all exposed to religion in some way or form. You follow me? So I just wanted to un- uncover that and show you that that's a, that's a thing that, that we need to be free from as religion. You need to be free in Christ. And you don't need to abuse your freedom, but you need to be free in Christ. Amen? So living off the chain, number one, you fall in love with Jesus. This is how you live off the chain. This is how you, not, how you don't put the chains back on is by falling in love with Jesus. You say, well, Pastor, how do I fall in love with Jesus? Let me give you two things that make you fall in love with Jesus. Number one, you understand who he is. You understand what his purpose was and who he is today to the church. And you get a revelation of who he is. And then, you, and then the second way is you, is you get a revelation of what he's done. Come on, we've got to remind ourselves of what he's done at times. Amen? The reason I, I take notes and I journal when I have a quiet time is so that I can always go back and read what God's done in my life. And sometimes, because, listen to me, people don't always encourage you, right? When you need encouragement the most, there's nobody around. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. That's why you need to take notes. Fall in love with Jesus. Christianity is not an invitation to get more religious. It's an invitation to life and love. John 14, 15 says this, that if you love me, you will obey my, what I command That's what John 14, 15 says. But let me tell you something about that verse. That verse can throw you for a loop because it depends on what side of the verse you're on. Some of you, when you hear that verse, if you love me, you will keep my commands or you will obey what I command. Some of you hear that when I obey what he commands, then I love him. That means you're on the wrong side of the comma. You see, there's a comma there for a reason. Now, I'm not an English major by any means. But there's a comma there for a reason because it says that if you love me, out of that love for me, you will do whatever I say. Why? Not because you have to, but because you want to. You see, that's the secret to it. Why? Because you love me. It's not a, you got to obey what I say to love me. Mm. It's not the opposite way. It's if you love me, you will obey what I command. Your obedience will come from love and not from have to. Come on, somebody. It's going to come from love. It's going to be a natural thing because you love him. The reason I don't go sleep around on my wife is because I love her. It's not because of sin. It's not because I'll embarrass my whole family. That's not what keeps me from sleeping around on my wife. What keeps me from sleeping around on my wife is the fact that I love her. I love her. So because I love her, I'm going to stay pure to her. I'm going to stay set apart to her. Are you with me? You following? I'm doing this. Why? Because I love her. 
It's not burdensome. It feels more like a privilege. Did you get that? Number two, don't allow condemnation. Man, this is a good one. Condemnation is everywhere. Condemnation is, as soon as I'm finished preaching, somebody's going to try to condemn you. Condemnation floats around in an invisible world, and it's always looking for a place to land, and it's looking for you. And if you'll let it, condemnation will get on you, and he will bring you down. You see, here's the reality of the gospel that Paul preached to the Christians in Galatia. The reality was, he said to him, I'm, I'm giving you this gospel that Jesus died on the cross so that you could be set free from sin and death and darkness and the, and, the, and the chains of law and the chains of sin are broken off of you and you don't have to be that no more. That's, that's what he preached to him. And then he turned around and he said, and listen, when you blow it, there's still a way out. When you sin, there's still a way out. Condemnation says there's no way out. Condemnation says when you sin or when you fall, that's it. You've gone too far. You can't, you can't get back to where you were. Come on. So that's what condemnation says. But what grace says is that if you're faithful and just to forget, to, to confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, and watch this, then to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when you've, when you've confessed your sins to Jesus and your shortcomings and he forgives you and then he cleanses you, it's gone. Come on, somebody, it's gone. You may need to get some more water and rinse the tub out because it's gone. Right? Condemnation says you've got to try to clean yourself by acting good from here on out. Well, if you fell in the first place, acting good ain't going to get you nowhere. Come on, somebody got to get this this morning. Because there's too many believers, spirit-filled, God-fearing believers that are walking around condemned in chains. Can't do nothing for Jesus because you feel like a hypocrite. Because you feel like you're not worthy. Well, here's the secret. You're not worthy. You'll never be worthy. But you're loved. And you're accepted, and you're approved, and you're forgiven. You got to treat condemnation like you treat crazy people on Facebook. Come on, you know how it is. People on Facebook start saying crazy stuff. What do you do? Block. Ain't got time for that. You need to have the same attitude when condemnation comes at you. Block. Ain't got time for that, devil. Mm-mm, I'm going somewhere. Use your attitude that you got. Just use it at the right way. <laughs> Some of you are more aggressive to people on Facebook than you are to the enemy. Enemy sitting there wearing you out, and you worried about what somebody said on Facebook. Watch what Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this, and I encourage you to memorize this because you're going to need it for the days coming. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation 
there is now no condemnation. No condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> so when religion comes, religion's trying to get in the way of your relationship with Jesus to get you to think that you don't have right standing with God anymore. That's what religion does. Well, now I got to earn it and I got to work for it. And if I don't measure up, well, then he's mad at me. So, so religion gets in that way. Then what follows religion? Condemnation. Are you seeing this? Here comes condemnation. Well, why does condemnation come? To keep you down. But the Bible says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The reason you don't need religion is so that you can stay with Jesus. Because when you stay with Jesus, there's no condemnation. Got it? Got it, get it, good. Man, we're meant to be free. We're, we're made to run free. We're made to live free. Come on, somebody. We're made to enjoy this life. We're made to a walk above the things that normally bring us down. We're made to live differently. We're made to live life. To live it in front of death. That's what you're made for. Jesus died on the cross so that you could become free. Not so that you could become a slave again. The Bible says you actually become a love slave. You're a slave because of love. Not a slave because of works. Not a slave because of condemnation. So therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You've been set free. The question is, is are you going to stay free? Number three, choose life every day. Choose life every day. So how do you live off the chain? Number one, you fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. Number two, you don't allow condemnation to come because condemnation is going to wreck you. And then number three, you choose life every day. It's a choice. You've got to choose to live free. You've got to walk in that freedom. It's a choice you make. It's something you've got to actually put a little pressure on. It's something you've got to actually walk in. You see, if you want to get out of the rain, you've got to actually move a little faster, unless you're big like me and you catch every raindrop. But you skinny people can run through the rain and not get wet. But if you want to get out of the rain, you actually got to move to get somewhere that's out of the rain, right? If you want to live life and choose life, you actually have to make a choice to choose it and to live it, right? It ain't just, it, it's not magically delicious. It's not just going to happen. Come on, sometimes I think we just we fall into this ignorant stupor that we think it's just going to magically happen. Pastor preached a good message. Praise God, we're all set free and we're going to stay free. Take that pressure off of me because I ain't that good. You've got to choose life. 
Choose to stay free. Choose to stay where you belong. I know people that have been set free from addictions and bondages. And just because they've been set free doesn't mean that there's not temptation. Doesn't mean that there's not something pulling at them. Doesn't mean that they're not just moved by when they smell something. The other day I smelled a little marijuana. So walking by somewhere, I smelled some marijuana. My nose went. <laughs> That's real. They say you can't get addicted to marijuana. I was addicted. Just because I was delivered doesn't mean that I stay delivered in some magical way. I got to make a choice. I got to choose life. Amen. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. You see, there's a table in front of you and it's got life and blessings. And then it's got death and curses. And you get to choose whichever one you want to live in today. Amen. It's a choice you make. That's what Deuteronomy says. Leviticus says this in 26, 13. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so that you could walk with your heads held high. With your heads held high. Some of you came in here today and you've, you've been trying to get to God through religion. You've been trying to earn your way to heaven. You've been trying to stay in God's presence by being a good boy or girl. I'm sorry that that's the way you are. But I'm proud to tell you, you don't have to stay that way. Amen. Some of you came in here with some heavy weight. Not knowing what to do next. Some of you are here today and you're at the point of exhaustion. And you're like, you know what? This whole Christianity thing is just it's overrated. And I can't keep up. Maybe that's you this morning. I want you to stand up with me this morning. Why do we have to add anything to the gospel? Why can't it be good enough just the way it is? You see, God didn't want to make it hard. That's why he sent his son to pay the price. And he didn't make us pay the price. He sent his son to pay the price for us. And the only thing required of you is to receive it, to believe it. The Bible says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the only thing you have to do is believe and receive and confess. You just need to confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he raised, that God raised him from the dead. 
and I accept it. And if you walked in this morning and condemnation's been all over you and guilt's been all over you and shame has been just right in front of you the whole time, I, I want to help you get free from that this morning. Is that okay? Can I just pray for you to get free from that? Father, I come to you this morning. I just want you to open your hands right now. You're going to receive something from God. Or maybe you're going to let go of something today. Lord, I come to you this morning. And I declare your word to you, Lord, that you said that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I declare the word that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, we don't have to add anything to you. We don't have to be anything else. We don't have to do anything else. But just simply believe and confess. Lord, help us to receive that. Help us to accept that this morning. And Lord, we don't have to kill ourselves. We don't have to be so burdensome and so worn down that, Father, we can just simply love you in an honest and open way, in the sweetest way possible, Lord, that we can just have a simple relationship of you loving me and me loving you. And there doesn't have to be anything in between. Lord, help us to receive that. Lord, right now I just break and bind any condemnation, any guilt, any shame, any embarrassment, Anyone that's feeling downcast and trodden upon, Lord, this morning, I just set them free right now in the name of Jesus. And I want you to say this, I'm free. I'm free. Condemnation, leave in the name of Jesus. Guilt, leave in the name of Jesus. Shame, leave in the name of Jesus. Embarrassment, leave in the name of Jesus. I declare it right now, freedom and wholeness and right standing before God over these people, Lord. We've been set in the right place because of you, Jesus, not because of what we've done. Because of your work on the cross and coming out of the grave, Jesus, we can now stand in the right place with God. And I declare that over these people this morning, Lord. And I thank you and I praise you and I worship you, Father. Thank you that you set me free, Lord. You set me free. You made your mind up about me before I ever made my mind up about you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I'd sure love to have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick? Real quick, I see you. I see you. Real quick. I see you. I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. Good, good, good. Now, if you came here today and you were weighed down and you were beaten up and beat down and you just you just discovered freedom this morning, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. If you came in here condemned and you, you're free, just raise your hand real quick. Let me see you. I see you. Amen. Amen. If you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to pray this with me this morning. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. 
I surrender my life to yours. I understand your work on the cross and the grave. And I receive it. And I surrender myself wholly unto you, Lord. I receive your salvation. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I thank you, Father. Save me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.